So, um, when you attended school, did you like pop quizzes? Did you like the fact that your teacher would say something like this? Now look, you're always responsible for this information, and you never know when I'm going to test you on this, so you may just have a pop quiz once in a while. In eighth grade, Mr. Goodman loved to have pop quizzes. They were usually between 10,000 to 100,000 points. <laughs> there was only 10 questions, but he just liked everything a high point value. You know, um, if you think about it, though, how many times in life have you felt like life just threw you a pop quiz? You know what I'm talking about? Like all of a sudden this happening, and all of a sudden you're just sitting there with a blank piece of paper with ten numbers on it, and you're supposed to write stuff down. Have you ever had that experience? I, I tell people that are dating that, that it's really important to create pop quizzes in your dating relationship. You know, do hard kind of annoying things because you're going to find out something about the other person you're going to write things down on the list that you wouldn't normally in dating because dating as a whole usually is going places i don't normally go wearing clothes i don't normally wear and talking about things i don't normally talk about so that i can get to know a person in a normal way Today in our scripture, we're going to be watching God go ahead and give, well, Abraham quite a doozy of a pop quiz. In fact, it'd be the kind that we probably hated the most. It was more like write a thousand word essay about a subject that I'm just going to bring up. But I really want my answer to be in a few short words or a sh few short actions. Uh, to, to tell you about this story, though, we need to just do a little bit of history to kind of set the story up and, and give it the strength that it's supposed to. So last week we talked about the fact that Abraham was now 100 years old and Sarah was 90 years old and that God was going to keep his promise. In, in chapter 21 of Genesis, where we're studying right now, it says, The Lord had visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And we talked and we chuckled, in fact, quite a bit about the reality, is what God did is he finally opened up the womb of Sarah, and at age 90, Sarah had a baby. And we talked about just this reality of this incredible story. That was the first scene in the story. Is The first scene is that they had this baby and, and they responded in having this baby. Okay, And they named this baby Isaac, which means laughter or crack up. And it really was kind of a funny thing that such an old person was having this you know they probably had just become senior citizen of the year at e-line and they also are a new parent um, so it's just an interesting thing but as we read on in that we find that because God was faithful and did what he said we see even in the smallest little things all of a sudden we see Abraham and Sarah become obedient you know, sometimes it's easier to be obedient to God when we know that God has been faithful to us. 
when he's asking things of us, but we don't haven't tied it to a relationship or the faithfulness of God sometimes trusting in him more than trusting in him, obeying him is really hard, but they have just experienced this incredible promise that God gave them 25 years ago. And so they're finding it pretty easy to be obedient. And not only that, but they're finding great delight in it. And so when Isaac is weaned at age three, they're delighted to celebrate this special day. But then we find out scene two. Scene two, we find out that sometimes faithfulness causes a crisis. And the crisis was that Abraham already had another son named Ishmael, and Ishmael liked to pick on Isaac. And Mama Bear, at age 90, wasn't going to have it. And so she basically talked to Abraham, and she, he said, We're not, it's, not gonna, it's either my way or the highway, and my way is we have one son, his name is Isaac, and there are no other sons in this house. This was probably incredibly hard for Abraham, but the Scripture says this amazing thing in the middle of chapter 21. It, the Scripture says that God spoke to Abraham and told him to do what his wife said. And so you see that the crisis now is that the son and Hagar, her mother, are pushed out. And you watched how Abraham handles all that. But the most amazing thing is you see that God is faithful even in that. And he takes care of Ishmael. We didn't get to scene three last week, but scene three is like this. Scene three is all of a sudden Abimelech, who is the, the, the king of that area they lived. Here, Abraham, who's going to be God's nation, is going to come from Abraham, is living in the land of the Philistines, which is just kind of interesting to think about, considering what will happen with the Philistines as we go forward. And he's already had a run-in with Abimelech. He has lied to Abimelech. Because even though it, Sarah was 90 years old, she must have been pretty good looking. And he was afraid to tell him that he was married to her. And so he said, this is my, my sister. And so Abimelech takes this 90-year-old woman into his harem. You know, and remember that story? And we won't get into the details of that story. But basically Abraham had lied. And so Abimelech and him could have kind of a rocky relationship at this point. But it says that Abimelech and Phicol the commander of his army said to Abram, God is with you in all that you do. And so they realized that God was with Abraham. And so that was an interesting opening line because in verse 23 it says, Now therefore swear to me before to me here by God that you will, deal, you will not deal with me falsely or with my descendants or with my prosperity posterity but as i have dealt kindly with you so you will deal with me and with the land where you have sojourned and so basically he's kind of he's digging at him a little bit and he says okay now i'd like you to make a promise to me that even though you've lied to me in the past that you'll be honest with me in the future and that we can have this honest relationship All of a sudden, because he saw that God worked in the life of Abraham, he decided that he wanted Abraham's blessing and Abraham's promise. And Abraham said, I will swear this. But see, it's interesting, because before 
I think that he would have immediately tried to figure out, okay, how am I going to finagle this situation? You know, because he was a kind of a nervous Nelly. And he was trying to figure out how to do this. And all of a sudden now, because he's seen God working in his life, all of a sudden he has this new confidence. And so he can approach people with confidence. And he can see things differently. In fact, you see that confidence in what he does next. It says when Abraham reproved Abimelech about a well of water that Abimelech's servants has seized. And so all of a sudden, not only did he say, I'll, I'll, I'll do what you say, but hey, by the way, we got an issue. Now, it's interesting to think about this issue because years ago, when he first came into the land, he was there with his, with his nephew, and they had issues over water. And so he decided the only way to solve this is for us to separate. Okay? But now all of a sudden, he has confidence. He said, you know what? I, I, I'm, I know I'm where God wants me to be right now, and there's this issue where God wants me to be. So instead of being namby-pamby, I can, with with confidence approach the person that maybe can solve this issue and we can solve this together i don't think we understand that one of the things that comes along with our faith in jesus christ is not only do we have a different standing between ourselves and god but we also have a different confidence to live our lives if all of a sudden you think God's in control and God can bless and God can do amazing things, all of a sudden, when stuff happens in life, instead of going, oh no, what am I going to do? You know? We, we have a confidence. And that's what you see in Abraham here. And we haven't always seen this in him. We've seen that he's listened to God and he's gone kind of where God wants him to go. But we've also seen just some fear in him. Now all of a sudden he's handling this different. And it's interesting, as you read on in this passage, it said that Abimelech said he didn't know about this or he hadn't heard about this. And then Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech and the two men made a covenant. Does this sound familiar? You know, this is what God had been doing with him. God had kept his promises. God had done these things. Now all of a sudden we see Abraham imitating his faith in real life in the same way god made a covenant with me i want to make a covenant with you i i want to handle life different in the same way god has been gracious to me i'm going to be gracious to you in the same way god has kept his word to me i have this bouncing baby boy named crack up i know that i now can be confident in my relationship with you you know i hear things occasionally and they kind of blow my mind when i hear a politician say i'm a religious person but it doesn't affect my politics i that just blows my mind because my faith affects everything i do it affects every way i think it affects every decision that i make And so for you to say that you can compartmentalize your life and you want to make moral decisions to help my nation, but you want to take your faith and you want to detach it from that, that just freaks me out. I can't imagine it. My mind doesn't work that way. That would mean my faith wasn't very real, wouldn't it? But now all of a sudden you watch Abraham and he is imitating this relationship of a God who made covenants with him and so now he's willing to make covenants 
with Abimelech. Whereas before, when he had problems with Lot, it was like, okay, here's the deal. You go over there, I'll go over here, we'll just have our own thing. Now is, this is, I, I want to get along. In the same way God is getting along with me, I want to get along with you. So as you read on this, this passage, it just talks about kind of the details of what that goes on. But I, I don't want to spend time on those details. Okay? What I want to spend time with is on what's next. I want to spend time on the pop quiz. Okay, so God has been faithful to Abraham. God gave him a son. But now all of a sudden, in chapter 22, there's a pop quiz. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, now this is after these things. Think about what was it. He gave him a son. He was faithful to him even when he had to do hard things and, and abandon his first son. He promised his first son that he would make him a great nation, that he would take care of him even though Abraham wasn't going to take care of him. He gave them, he, he, he was so blessed that other people could see that he was blessed and that God took care of him. After all of those things, it says that God tested him and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here am I. You know, one of the things that hopefully happens as we grow in our relationship with the Lord is that we recognize when God's speaking and we immediately go, hello? Here I am. Here am I. The pop quiz. Verse 22, verse 2. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I shall tell you. Wow. Big pop quiz, huh? This is an essay pop quiz. This is not an easy pop quiz. Think of even the words that he's saying here. Take your son. Okay? Then what does he say next? Your only son. Now, before he had had two sons, right? He had Ishmael and Isaac. But now, all of a sudden, he only has Isaac. Ishmael's no longer in the picture. God's taken care of him, and he's going to turn him into a great nation. But all he has is this son. They think that probably Isaac was somewhere in his early teen years when this took place. Take your son. Your only son. Now, this next phrase, whom you love. That is the first mention of the word love in Scripture. It has not been in any of the chapters before. But we hear that word later on, don't we? This is my son, Jesus, God says, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And go to the land of Moriah, Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I shall show you. This is a big pop quiz. Now, when God asks me to do hard things, I like to ramp up to them. How about you? 
You know, like to think of you. Let's confirm that you really said this, that it wasn't a burrito. You know, I, I want to get all the facts together. You know? Verse 3. Oh, just interesting. Um, this is a, just, I'll, I'll just take us on a little side path here. This mountain that he ends up at is the Temple Mount. Isn't that cool? The, the, the place that God is asking Isaac to be sacrificed will eventually be the Temple Mount in Israel. Because that's where Solomon built the temple. Just, I just think that's a fact that we'll just, let's put that in our head for a second. Because I think that fits into what happens next. Verse 3. So Abram rose early in the morning, saddled up his donkey, and took two of his young with him and his son Isaac. Now, he immediately obeyed God. Okay? This is amazing to me. He immediately obeyed God. And I think, that that would, I think that's what we need to work towards in our relationship with. God, get rid of the delay in my obedience to you. And get, get rid of the him hawing and the feet dragging in my relationship with you. Move me to a point because you have been so good to me that I will immediately obey you. The next verse says, And he cut wood from the burnt offering and rose and went to the place which God had told him. Now, in my mind, when I read this story, or when I was rethinking this story, I'm thinking it's like from here to Ampersand. It's not very far away. They don't have to go very far. But you read in the next verse, and it tells us this. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. So he immediately obeyed God, and then he had to think about it for three days. He had to be on this journey of obedience for three days. For three days, he watched his son banter with his friends and had to think about the reality of what God was asking him to do. I think the three boys were having a great time. I think Abraham was quiet. Once in a while, maybe Isaac would look at him and say, Dad, you look like you have a lot on your mind. Hmm. Long trip. Then Abram said to the young, his young man, Stay here with the donkey, and I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. You know, I love listening to this church thing. And you guys do a great job leading us. And I'm grateful for that. But obedience is the worship that God loves the most. He was basically saying to those boys, I'm going to go obey God and worship Him. He left the boys there. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. And so they both of them, and so they went both of them together. Think about that. He took the wood of the sacrifice, 
and placed it on his son so that he could sacrifice his son. Does this remind you of anything? Jesus Christ carried his cross so that they could sacrifice him. You go on in verse 7, it says this, And Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. He was attentive. We know that Abraham had good hearing. Okay? He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? You know what I think is really interesting here? And I, I, I looked at this question of the son, and the only reason that he knew to ask this question is there must have been a regular pattern of sacrificing to the Lord in their lives. His, he, he knew the pattern. So all of a sudden he's walking and he's got this wood on his back and his dad's walking along with him and he has the knife and he has the fire somehow. They had taken the fire and put it in something um, because uh, they didn't have Bic lighters back then. And so they, you know, they didn't, you know, and if you've ever watched Survivor, you can't do things, if you can't start fire, you know. And so yeah, all of that was together and they were walking along and all of a sudden the son was just like, hey dad. Something missing here? Listen to what the Father says. Abraham said, God will provide Himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And so they went, both of them, together. God will provide. God promised me a son, and today He's asking me to sacrifice that son. God will provide. God gave me the one thing that I can't imagine when I'm 100 years old. And now I'm about 114, 115, and I'm climbing up this mountain with my son. And it wasn't the switchbacks of Colorado, no. He was climbing here in the north country you know it was straight up that that crick path that's what he was climbing up and they and they were doing rock hopping and his son all of a sudden turns around and goes hey dad where's the lamb and he's like looking at the rocks you know and the roots and he's not wanting to look up but he says the truth doesn't he god will provide the lamb When they came to the place which God had told them, Abraham built the altar there, and he laid the wood in order, and he bound his son, and he laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Years ago, we were in the inner city, and we were, I was telling this story about the great sacrifice. And a kid stood up, in this inner city club and he looked at me and he said would you let your son die for God I only had one son he was four a moppy headed blondie and without hesitating I said yes because that moppy headed blondie was a lot of work to raise And I didn't know what I was doing. And I can remember scooping him up in my arms one night and walking him over 
to a window as he slept and I cried and I said, God, I don't know how to raise him. He's yours. Whatever you want, God. The reason I could say yes at that moment was because I'd already said yes to God. Not knowing that Stephen would get into stuff he wasn't supposed to that night and get into Tylenol and at 3 o'clock in that morning we'd be in an emergency room because if he took too many Tylenol he would die. And as I sat in that waiting room in that downtown Chicago emergency room I said this God I was kidding. I, I don't want my son to die. I want him to live. This next verse just kills me. It says, Then Abraham reached his hand and he took the knife to slaughter his son. This is not a fun pop quiz. This is an easy moment. This is an incredibly hard moment. How could he do it? How could Abraham do that? Hebrews gives us the reason. It says in chapter 11, it says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promise was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was even able to raise him from the bed, from the dead, for which Figuratively, he did receive him back. I can't imagine having a mindset that is like, okay, I'm going to slaughter my son because I know you're going to raise him from the dead. I can be obedient today because you have been so strong in my life and I trust you that I can do this incredibly crazy thing because I believe that you will answer. It seems insane to me. It seems like child abuse. I actually listen to public radio talk about this every once in a while. And they just talk about it as this great quandary. And the reason it's a great quandary is they haven't read the whole Bible and they don't understand how it's a part of a bigger story. They don't get it. Verse 20. But the angel of the Lord came to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he says, here I am. Here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything for him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. The first commandment says this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. That's what it says. I am the Lord your God. I think that in every one of our lives, there are going to be these pop quizzes where God shows us that there's something that we're loving more than Him. There's something that we worship more than Him. There's something that we want more than Him. There is something that is taking up space in our head that He wants to enjoy with us. 
It's not because he's a jerk. It's just that God's all in. God's all in. And He wants to love us 100%. And when we say, I'm at 90%, God, He goes, I want the other 10%. Why? Because I love you. I want to be your complete God. Not your kind of God. Not your partial God. Not your weekend God. I don't want to be your second home God. I want to be your God. And the reason I put this test here is because I want to make sure in the pop quiz of your life that I'm the one you fear and not something else. Because see, what we fear is what we worship. (coughs) If security is what you fear, then that's going to be what's your worship. And for some of you, that's going to mean that shows how you spend your money. What you fear is what you worship. What you spend your time on. If you're really afraid and you don't want to think about it, maybe you watch too much Netflix. Maybe you drink too much. Maybe the way you take care of your life instead of God being your wonderful counselor, you know, marijuana is your wonderful counselor. Because you have to self-medicate because you don't believe that God can be 100% there for you. So you have to take somebody and something and you got to put it in its place. It might be as simple as a snicker bar. When I am afraid, I go to stewards and get a snicker bar. And it is my comfort. And God puts a pop quiz into our life just like He did Abraham. And He wanted to make sure that He was still the God of Abraham's life and that the Son hadn't become the God of His life. Now, none of us who have parents have ever struggled with that. That our kids become our gods. Hmm. God is going to place pop quizzes in our life not because He's a jerk, but because He loves us so much that He wants all of us. does it in sometimes the most interesting ways. For me, I've had crises in my life and I have a great network of friends and I have good mentors and good counselors. I have all of those things in my life. But occasionally, God just wants to be my wonderful counselor. And so He'll bring a crisis into my life and none of those people will be available. I can't phone a friend. I can't Google it. And it's just God. And I'll be really frustrated and I'll go... I want you to come to the mountains from where your help comes from. Your help comes from the Lord. He doesn't want, he wants to be my default. He wants me to be the one that I worship. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its thorns. The ram was not having a good day. Then Abraham went and took the ram and he offered it on the burnt offering instead of his son. The reason why this is important and this passage is so pivotal is because this is what God did for us. Romans 8.32 says, He did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for all of us. How will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? 
some of you might be struggling and thinking God's been kind of a jerk and he's been kind of mean. And, and he cannot believe that you're thinking that because he gave you the very best thing that he had. Maybe he's not giving you the little thing you want right now, but he gave you the very best thing that he had, which was his son. And his son carried the wood of the sacrifice to the altar called Golgotha for you so that you could have a relationship with God. And his son, much like Isaac, his son knew exactly what was happening. Isaac didn't figure it out until he was bound. But his son pleaded with him at Gethsemane and said, God, I don't want to do this. But it's not my will. It's Your will be done. And because His will was done, we are forever changed. That's what it says here. It says this, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. The three-day wait that Abraham had for the sacrifice was the three days that they waited for the Son of God to raise from the dead. He's not dead. He's alive. And each one of us has to figure out what we're going to do with this great sacrifice that God has made for us. And realize that because He made such a great sacrifice that when we ask Him to be our Savior, He's already been all in for us and He is asking us to be all in for Him. He's not asking us something unreasonable. But He will create circumstances and hardships and challenges in our lives to test us. Either so we will turn to Him for the first time or we will surrender more fully to Him each day. I don't want you to be Jesus Christ's estranged friend. Yeah, I knew Jesus once. Have you met people like that? So you go to church? No, I don't go to church. What about Jesus? What do you decide about Jesus? You know, I asked Him to be my Savior once. But I'm just not into him anymore. You know, how many of you want to hear somebody talk about how they kind of love their wives? You know? Can you imagine a wedding ceremony that says, I, I will honor and obey you kind of, and I, I will love you sort of. You know? This is a lease. This isn't a contract. This story that is just so hard to understand in Scripture showed that even in this crazy moment that the reason that Abraham could be immediately obedient is because he had already figured out what he thought God was going to do. I'll sacrifice him, but you'll raise him. Uh, You know, you already made this promise. I know you're going to keep it. But see, all of a sudden, we decide that we are disconnected from the promises, don't we? Oh, there's no way this is going to work out. 
God, God, God may be faithful to other people or we'll hear about how God is working in somebody else's life and we're like, I wish that would happen in my life. But God never really listens to me. He just listens to other people. And then instead of the body of Christ growing together and celebrating, we're like, oh, I'm never going to go to one of those meetings again. People are going to talk about how good God is to them, and he's never good to me, and I don't want to hear it, so I'm not going. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? But we do that, don't we? In our humanity, we forget that God, out of love for us, puts these tests in that keep us nudging back to having greater commitment to him. And in the midst of them, somehow he floods over us the ways that he's already been faithful to us and he's already in the process of transforming us. The Abraham of chapter 21 is not the same Abraham of chapter 12. The Abraham of chapter 12 couldn't have done this. But the Abraham of chapter 21 knew God's great faithfulness and so God called him to an even greater level of faithfulness because here's what's happened sometimes. You probably never do this. But occasionally God is just so good to me that I think it's me. I am awesome. God is using me. God is doing these great things. He is so lucky to have me. <laughs> Yay, God. Yeah. But then in the midst of that, God creates another pop quiz and it's like, wait a minute here. God is awesome. I am nothing without Him. And He is so faithful to me. So here's where we're at today. For some of you, you need to decide today that you're going to follow Jesus Christ for the first time. It's your day. You don't have to wait any more days. You, you can make another excuse today, but today could be your day. And the day the day where you say, Jesus Christ, I need you to be my Savior. I, I can't do this myself, so I'm asking you to be my Savior. Today is my day. I surrender today. I ask you to be my Savior today. That might be where you're at. For some of you, today might be the day where you say, today I surrender to Jesus more i trust god more i realize that he's placing up pop quizzes so that i'm not trying to worship him and somebody else but i'm worshiping him alone today is my day where out of love for me god is saying i want to up the ante and i want more of you i don't want part of you Part of you will get you into heaven. But part of you will not be the relationship that you desire, that God desires to have with you. That's why He's wrestling with you and He loves you so very much. In the quietness of your heart right now, what is that thing that is the pop quiz of your life? What is He talking to you about? Are you willing to surrender to Him today? It's today, it's today. It's either the day of your salvation 
or it's the day of your continued salvation. We began the service by singing Hosanna, didn't we? Do you know what Hosanna means? Save me. You need to call out to your Lord and ask him to save you today. Let's pray. Dear God, I, I pray that you would give us the ability to trust you even in the hardest of pop quizzes or what seems incredibly hard for us today. I can't imagine what you put Abraham through, but then more, I can't imagine what you put yourself through. You didn't spare your son even though you spared Abraham's son. He became the sacrifice that we needed to have a relationship with you. And so I pray for those people that don't have that relationship today. And I pray that today would be the day that they would ask you to be their personal Savior. They pray just a simple prayer of saying they need your forgiveness. They accept you as their Savior. And they want to learn to live for you. And God, for those of us who already have that relationship, as you put pop quizzes into our lives and show us how our heart can be divided and that we don't fully, completely surrender and trust you. God, help us to be like Abraham and not warm up to obedience or obey eventually. But God, make us a people that obey you immediately, that obey you today. And make the changes today that you are calling us to make. God, give us the faith of our fathers. The faith of men like Abraham to trust you in all things. We pray this in the name of your son, that great sacrifice. And all of God's people said, Amen. Why don't you stand with me? I'm going to ask Charlie to lead us in a song. And... Uh, and uh, if there's some way we can pray for you during this song, I encourage you to come forward. Uh, we have several people that, that pray. And uh, we would love to help you on your faith journey today.